Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Season 1. Now notice there was no theme music to this seasonal episode. And effectively, uh, round one of round 12 is going to be next after my quick excerpt here. And all I wanted to do was just take a moment and speak to you directly and say thank you. Thank you to anybody who was interested enough to listen in. And especially if you found something positive and enriching from any of these episodes. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you very much if you reached in again and listened once more to see if you found some more credence and positive information from what I tried to deliver. So in the final analysis, I've considered myself very much a crazy man (laughs) for starting this process and going out of my way to try and lead the world a little bit better through my dialect or my direction or my focus. And maybe I have, maybe I haven't, but I'm very pleased that I did it. And so again, I, I have nothing but gratitude for the opportunity to do it, for the ability to do it, and for those listening in who might have found something positive from it. So I'm wishing you a really great Sunday here today, and uh, thank you very much for checking in. Peace. Welcome to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us today on what is our first episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. 6 a.m. and your hand can't make it to the alarm clock before the voices in your head start telling you that it's too early, too dark, and too cold to get out of bed. Aching muscles lie still in rebellion, pretending not to hear your brain commanding them to move. A legion of voices are shouting their unanimous permission for you to hit the snooze button and go back to dreamland. But you didn't ask their opinion. The voice you've chosen to listen to is one of defiance. A voice that says there was a reason you set that alarm in the first place. So sit up, put your feet on the floor, and don't look back, because we've got work to do. Welcome to the grind. For what is each day but a series of conflicts between the right way and the easy way? 10,000 streams fan out like a river delta before you, each one promising the path of least resistance. Thing is, you're headed upstream. And when you make that choice, when you decide to turn your back on what's comfortable and safe and what some would call common sense, well, that's day one. From there, it only gets tougher. So just make sure this is something you want because the easy way out will always be there, ready to wash you away. All you have to do is pick up your feet. (sighs) 
But you aren't going to, are you? With each step comes the decision to take another. You're on your way now, but this is no time to dwell on how far you've come. You're in a fight against an opponent you can't see, but oh, you can feel him on your heels, can't you? Feel him breathing down your neck. You know what that is? That's you. Your fears, your doubts, and insecurities all lined up like a firing squad, ready to shoot you out of the sky. But don't lose heart. While they're not easily defeated, they are far from invincible. Remember, this is the grind. The battle royale between you and your mind, your body, and the devil on your shoulders telling you that this is just a game. This is just a waste of time. Your opponents are stronger than you. Drown out the voice of uncertainty with the sound of your own heartbeat. Burn away your self-doubt with a fire lit beneath you. Remember what we're fighting for and never forget that momentum is a cruel mistress. She can turn on a dime with the smallest mistake. She is ever searching for the weak place in your armor, that one tiny thing you forgot to prepare for. So as long as the devil is hiding the details, the question remains, is that all you got? Are you sure? And when the answer is yes, when you've done all you can to prepare yourself for battle, then it's time to go forth and boldly face your enemy, the enemy within. Only now you must take that fight into the open, into hostile territory. You're a lion in a field of lions, all hunting the same elusive prey with a desperate starvation that says victory is the only thing that can keep you alive. So believe that voice that says you can run a little faster and you can throw a little harder and that for you, the laws of physics are merely a suggestion. Luck is the last dying wish of those who want to believe that winning can happen by accident. Sweat, on the other hand, is for those who know it's a choice. So decide now, because destiny waits for no man. And when your time comes and a thousand different voices are trying to tell you you're not ready for it, listen instead to that lone voice of dissent. The one that says you are ready. You are prepared. It's all up to you now. So rise and shine. Well, here we are. The men, the women, the motivated few, or the masterful many. Here to take a stand. Here we are to make a statement. Here we are to find the way. To be our best selves. To do our best work. To ignore the doubters. To inspire the believers. To make things happen. To learn. To grow. To improve. To change. To understand. To teach. And to learn. However, with something fun to do means that you're taking away time spent that could be spent on studying, could be spent on working, could be spent on sleeping, whatever the case may be. So you have to learn that balance. Um, and sometimes it takes, not sometimes, I think for everyone, it takes a little bit of a struggle to figure out that balance because something's got to get cut at every point. Um, you know, early in time going to school, I may have said, you know what, let me just cut sleep and I'll just uh, do everything else, cut sleep, still have time to party, still have time to go to school, still have time to go to work until you get a year or so in and you realize, man, I'm draining my body. And then you have to learn to readjust and balance your time differently. Do I add a little bit more sleep and take away party time? Do I, uh, you know, sometimes you may feel like, well, maybe if I just take away some study time or some work time, then I can still get my sleep. But you have to be able to prioritize what is my, what are my necessities right now? Sometimes fun will be a necessity. Sometimes you need to go out, have some fun with your friends, let loose, relax. Sometimes standing will be a necessity. Sometimes sleeping in, you know, for 10, 12 hours will be a necessity. Sometimes studying for 13 hours or, you know, doing an all night will be a necessity. So you have to be able to balance what are my necessities in a weekly basis or in a day to day basis because it may change. Um, but you have to be able to keep track of that time. You know, at the end of the day, we get 24 hours and those 24 hours go by quick. So you have to understand when are things due? What are my uh, 
priorities. What are the things I need to have accomplished before I can go to sleep tonight and prioritize your schedule and your time based on that. Outstanding points of interest again. Uh, these are things that as I'm listening to them, I'm realizing that all, all of us need this. Just plain old working adults. We need the same concepts active and alive in our lives too. You know, that sense of balance again, and, you know, that sense of quality time management is something to pay close attention to and to start, start to become effective. You know, um, the trudge uphill to graduate from UC Santa Barbara in, in itself, we know, is difficult uh, because a school like that's not going to let you get by easily. If there's one thing you could tell the audience about what you learned on that challenging scholastic climb up the mountain. I mean, there are tests, there's all manner of study, there's difficult professors, there's walking the class, um, there's, there's falling off your skateboard and hurting your arm, there's all kinds of pressure. But if there's one thing you could share that would help us launch if we're at the beginning of our journey or struggle, Anything at all? What what could you share that says, man, this was the thing that that really got me there, that I was really glad I got through. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing is, and I think this applies not only to school but just life in general, is um, remembering why you're there and remembering you're there for a reason. Um, it's very easy in school to be discouraged after getting a few bad grades or after having a rough time um, in a presentation or not studying for a test or maybe getting good grades but not the grades you absolutely need, uh, whatever the case may be. But remember, you're there for a reason. Um, if it's a new job where you're struggling um, but they've hired you out of the 100, 200, 300 applicants, remember that they hired you for a reason. You bring something to the table that they believe in and they want and they encourage you to be there. And the same applies for school. Um, any school that you have to apply to to get into and even ones you don't keep in mind you're there for a reason they want you there for a reason they're supporting you there for a reason so with UCSB I think the biggest thing I had to learn is there's a lot of smart people there there's a lot of people there that were doing better than me in school a lot of people there that you know maybe had different opportunities different experiences um, different upbringings and uh, you can it's easy to fall feel jealous or to feel as if you can't do something or feel uh, you get kind of an imposter syndrome where you feel like I'm not supposed to be here they made a mistake letting me in or I'm not smart enough to do this or I'm not skilled enough to do this and the end of the day you have to keep in mind you're there for a reason there's experts who are evaluating your um, applications there's experts who are interviewing you for a job there's experts who are grading your PhD papers, whatever the case may be. Remember, you're there for a reason. So if it doesn't work out right the first time, learn how to do better and figure out how to do it better the next time. But try your best. I don't know. Say, and I say try because I know how difficult it can be to remain positive and always say keep that positive attitude. But at the end of the day, keep in the back of your mind that you are there for a reason. You have the ability. People know that you have the ability, but you have to remind yourself that you have the ability and you can never give up on yourself. Once you do that, then you're in a struggle. Even if all eyes are pointing against you, even if it seems like you're not going to make it through it, God, remember, you have those abilities. Now it's up to you to find them, hone them and make them work for you. Man, that's powerful. That is just plain powerful. And it leads me to think about the idea, the really important idea. And philosophy.
Many of our greatest advances have been made through the successful use of the mastermind principle. It will work for you too, if you let it. Realistically, whether we want to believe it or not, no individual has ever achieved real and lasting success without the help and co cooperation of others. I am very aware of this principle. As a man of 25 years old, I remember moving to California after growing up in New Jersey and feeling like I was an independent being who could handle himself and could do virtually anything alone. However, once I started teaching regularly and then later started a family, it became powerfully clear to me that working together works best. My two sons and I have a word game we used to play. And even to this day, with both of them in their 20s now, our game is very much still intact. I would bark the phrase, what are we? And they would reply loudly, a team. And when we're a team, what do we do? I would ask. Work together, they would say. And when we work together, I asked in closing, we get it done. They would close with emphasis and a sense of resolution. We played that game for years to the point that if you woke them from a dead sleep and asked them barely awake, what are we? You would hear them whisper, a team, without any thought about it whatsoever. That is what I think when I consider the value of the master. You know, share this experience with the world of how we've known each other and some of the things we've uh, experienced together. And let's just talk about how they've helped us grow and develop. You know, this this uh, podcast is about motivational mastery and growth and development and moving in the right direction. And I think you can help me make a, a point to the to the audience at large of what that means. I'll definitely try my best. So the first I would ask is, how long have I known you now? How long has it been? Oh Let's my see God. if you can search your mind a little bit. You met me when I was a nappy head little kid going to Dallas Ranch Middle School. Oh. Uh I believe I met you in sixth grade. I was going to another school at the time, and Aaron's mom had met you in the office. And from there, she had told my mom uh, that she was signing up her boys for karate. And that's how I met you. I visited for one class. You were a super awesome teacher, super positive. I just felt at home. And when I went home, I told my mom, I was like, can we go tomorrow? Can we go tomorrow? And my mom was just like, you just went there. You don't know how it is. We still got a month at the other place. I was like, can, can we quit? Can I go to train with Sensei? <laughs> Before you were my Sensei, you were my Sensei. That's oh, the way I look at it. Man, that's great to know. So I think that would take us back to somewhere around... 2005 or somewhere i say 2006 yeah 2006 yeah. is official so we've known each other a little while yeah you well, were there for most of my childhood <laughs> <laughs> well tell me something you know because there's lots of different discussion now about what martial arts is or is not and i think many people have a confusion about you know what it really means to be a martial artist and now you hear a lot of talk about mma and et cetera, and fighting and screaming and being the winner etc and i always thought of it as a little more expansive than that a little more internal um something that you could depend on to help your life grow and and be a positive experience not just beat another guy so tell me what you think uh, your experiences 
um, were at first and then where you are now in the perception of martial arts? I have to say I'm not one of those clout fighters. I've never been about the win. I've never been about the loss. I've been more for the student-teacher relationship and the teaching of martial arts because to me, it's an actual art form. More people look at it as just fighting, beating the next guy up. Oh, you beat him, this, that, and the other. It has nothing to do with that. Back during the time when they were practicing the martial arts, it was life or death. And for it to be this beautiful art form, now that we cherish it as we do, I just feel to be a good martial artist, to be really a good martial artist, is you have to have self-discipline. You have to want to wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, I want to go get it. And as simple as that, most people don't do it. And the fact that if you do do it, that's a good for you. That's already a head start. And you don't have to beat the next person. What brought me to karate was the fact that I can find myself through body, physical form, uh, physical moving, and the thought process. There's a real science to it. And not many people look at the science behind it. They just think it's just bare knuckles. And it has more to do with spirituality. I feel like I've learned more about my mental than I ever learned about my physical. The physical was always there. Yeah, I taught you well, Grasshopper. <laughs> you did. No, man, let me tell you something. I, I learned as much teaching you folks as I did um, doing anything else in my life. Well, honestly, it was a really positive experience and still is in many ways. So do you think that, that that awareness that you just expressed, do you think that transfers to other things that people do? Like if you are into sewing or if you're into golf or if you're into, do you think that there's a sort of a, a mental and emotional capacity to that kind of stuff too? Absolutely. I really do feel not just karate, but just any art form that involves you to get up in the morning and, you know, do something that you're not watching TV or you're not cooking yourself something to eat. You're actually getting out, going outside and doing physical exercise. Your body needs to be outside. We we're bred now to be inside, but I enjoy the sunlight. I enjoy getting out. I enjoy, you know, that physical exercise that you get, that reward. It's uh, rewiring your reward system. Them. Instead of buying that new shoe, maybe work on yourself, you know, sit down, think about what you want as for not what you want material wise, but what you want for yourself. And more people find out that working out helps. And I really agree with that. Working out from playing golf, from bowling, as long as you're not sitting on a couch. That's an interesting perception, because our last episode, we talked about the idea of physical fitness still being a valuable component to what our lives is, right? It is. I mean, you. I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong with staying fit. No. The staying fit is a good thing. However, we're not trying to convince the whole world that they need to convert their lives into something else. No. But if you're interested and you feel that it's a good thing, then you should pursue it. No question. Definitely. I feel you. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm a funny person. I know I'm hilarious. Uh, my you stupid, man. All right, well, that actually, I can corroborate that because when you were a kid, you used to always, we'd be driving in the car and you'd see something on the road and say some crazy, stupid stuff and have all of us laughing for nothing. It wouldn't make any sense at all. We're like, what are you, why, how do you even think of that? And you're like, what? Yeah, like, why is that over there like that? And so it's really true. And, and I need to go ahead and plug this in. It's really important to plug in. You and your brother, because, you know, it, it came over to him. Uh, and you two, as cohorts, taught me how to have more fun. As a serious person, dude, I was I was almost born a serious person. Mm -hmm. My life demanded that I have seriousness to me. Matter of fact, my life demanded that I be hard, mm -hmm. that I do some stuff that 
that people really didn't want to live the way I lived. They had, you know, you, I had, I felt like I was ready to fight at any moment, anybody, how many of the people you brought, it was that kind of craziness. And you and your brother, as my two good friends and good sons taught me, come on, Pops, it's like, we're supposed to be working. What are y'all doing? And you're like, yo, dad, we, we, but we're working. They're like, yeah, but we can still have fun. I remember you guys are always checking me on that. So it's really an important thing, I think, to remember for all of us, and especially people whose circumstances, because look, here we are on a podcast, and we chopping it, and we talking, and whatever, but there's a lot of people going through hell. They ain't got no computer, they ain't got no mic, they ain't got no glasses, and their eyes can't see, they, 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 you know, their shoes is worn down. I'll never forget those people, man. And so if we can remind each other to have some fun and share that time with each other, it's really important. What you think about that? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people take stuff for granted. Because they had it their whole life. I, I feel like I had that for a while until I started getting out and seeing people, talking to people, kicking with more friends and stuff like that. It started to realize the things that you have and the things that other people don't have. And, like, just because you have it doesn't mean that, like, uh, it, it's not valuable. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's very easy for people to have something their whole life, have money their whole life, like, have a house, have loving parents, and then they kind of just forget about it and take it for granted. And then there's people who never even met their real parents before, go from foster home to foster home. And this, you know what I'm saying? There's people who haven't had a house their whole life, ain't got to steal food to survive. It's, it's people who ain't never met a father and, and they're never met their mother and their, the other parent is abused around drugs. Like, it's so much bad stuff that that goes on in the world that people do not, uh, they don't think about because they're stuck in their own thing and they're like, oh, I want my life to be better, but they don't realize how nice their life really is and how much they they really do have you know what I'm saying I feel like that's a, a big part of that like I feel like I had a lot growing up I, I you know everybody doesn't have everything they want but I had a lot growing up but having a, a, a father who didn't have a lot growing up and he could you know kind of keep you grounded uh and keep you remind you like oh yeah like you have a lot like don't don't forget about what you really have because there's a lot of stuff that you don't have and when you like like I you would go to someone's house and and their house might be like a little dirtier, might not be as nice and stuff like that. And but I mean, it doesn't take any validity from them or how they live or anything like that. But you can just sense the difference. You like, dang, like, like there's nothing wrong with here. But I'm blessed to have what I have. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's good perspective, man. That's good to share with anybody, anytime. And honestly, nobody's above anybody. You know, honestly, I don't care how hard you work, how much money you make, or whatever you do. Nobody's above anybody. But I think awareness is a really important feature between us human beings. So that's really good you would say that. And you know, I did keep you honest. I always use, hey, do not forget where we at. Now, from the time you were little, it's like, look, you're getting all this. I'm looking out for you. I'm going to make sure I look out for you to the day I die. But don't get it twisted and take it for granted. So you do think, really, as we're talking here on this session, you do think you heard that growing up and it, and, and it uh, stayed with you? Yeah, I think I definitely heard it, but I- Irritating sometimes, though, wasn't it? Yeah, well, see, when when you told me it irritated me or like it's something like that, and I didn't really understand until I kind of understood for myself. I feel like I'm the, I was the type of person growing up, like I didn't really, like I, I, I would hear things and like things would be true, but I wouldn't understand it until I make myself understand it. Like if someone else is telling me, trying to yell at me or something like that, I'm just probably not going to listen as much as if I understand. You know, I, so I had to, to kind of figure stuff out for myself. And when I figure out for myself, I'm like, oh, yeah, he did say that, huh? Or like she did say that. That did happen. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Like you got, for me personally, I'm just a person who I have to figure something out on my own or I have to understand some of my own to really get a grasp of it. So like it was a lot of stuff that my dad was telling me growing up that like, 
it would be it would be irritating or I'd be like, I don't like like I don't agree or whatever. And then I realize it on my own and be like, oh, yeah, like, that's pretty true. Like that. Yeah, you're, you're right. He had a point there, but I didn't I wouldn't necessarily realize even realize that at first that that was what he was saying. I'll just realize something that I'm learning. And then later on, you think about it you're like, oh, yeah, he did say that. So it all makes sense. It all comes for a full circle eventually. So, yeah. The, the older you got, the smarter I got. Huh? Yeah, really, the older I got, the smarter I got. Yeah. <laughs> no, and this is again, this is this is a super important point. So you have a you're blessed enough to have a good friend network, right? Mm-hmm. Of multiple young men who are your age, mm-hmm. and you've known each other since early in school, mm-hmm. and you you seem to rock well together. You guys, you think similarly when you uh, get together to have some leisure time. You enjoy it. I spent time with them, taught many of them in the arts and all that. Mm-hmm. So do you think that they got that perspective coming up too? that, hey, I'd rather learn it and know it myself. I don't want to listen to nobody first. I want to go learn it myself so I can know for sure. Mm-hmm. You, you think a lot of them feel that way, too? I think some did, but I felt like some didn't because a lot of, like I have a lot of friends who just didn't have nobody that was telling them anything. So like, they had to learn yeah, stuff on their own. Yeah. More so they had to. Like, there's a lot of, like, I have friends who I've probably said three words to some of their parents, like, or something like that. And they're like, I don't really talk to them too much. Like, and they come over here and they, it's like, it's completely different because it's like, Oh, your dad's talking to us. Your dad's playing with us. He wants to chop it up. He wants to. And a lot of people don't even have. I, I know a lot of friends who don't even have their father, and they never even met him. Type stuff, or barely had a couple conversations with them. So it it was like it's like some of them are, and then some of them were like they haven't worked told anything. They just have to figure it out on their own, regardless. Wow, man. Well, first of all, I'm proud and pleased to to know that somehow that maybe I was helpful in that regard because. That was the goal. So that's good looking. That That's good. And let's keep going, because uh, I think sharing the experience where we learn from each other is important. And I say that because now maybe it's, it's flipping a little bit. Maybe I see and recognize and even learn things from you now, too, as we move forward. You know, that's a cool thing, man. And so as we progress in, you know, chronologically in your life and we talked about you being a five year old champion and you were, too, man, you were a national champion at five years old. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. And so then we just we pushed forward. Right. And you went to school and you, uh, you know, you you had social skills and we had friends here in the neighborhood who also were part of our karate school. Our karate school grew to a national and even international presence. And, uh, you know, we did some things, some, some very positive things. You were teaching classes to adult students at 10 years old. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Do you remember that part? And if you do. Was it nerve wracking? Was it easy? How you would explain? How was that? I remember, but it was it was just regular to me because I've been doing it for so long. Like you do something, you start something when you as young as you can remember. It's like it's just like this is what I do already. So it's just you don't think like oh man, I have to teach an older person. It's just like I've been doing this. So like and even if they don't listen, like at the end of the day, I know better than you. I most likely I probably know probably better than what you're talking about. So like you can choose to listen or not, but I'm gonna still know what I'm talking about regard. And even if they didn't listen, I I probably wouldn't even notice. Like I probably would have just been like, whatever. I did my job. Like I'm teaching. I'm and then I go to class and I start getting taught. And I'm like, okay, we learn the mind. Like because you don't really worry too much about other people when you're young. You kind of just like. Like you do, but you don't really notice. So like, I wasn't really noticing. Like, oh, he's he, this person feels this way. Like, and honestly, a lot of like a lot of the people that we taught, like, they knew that 
you're the sensei. So if I'm if you tell me to teach them something, it's obviously for a reason, or I it has a, like a point to it. So like they were not a lot of it's not a lot of times where people would be like you don't know what you're talking about or like just try and not listen because they knew if they didn't listen to me then you would find out and they you they would hear hear from you so they would definitely have to listen to somebody they better listen to somebody or they not gonna be around too much longer. Mm-hmm. yeah it's true you know it's funny about if you ain't in this family in this dojo and acting like you have respect and you better go somewhere else yeah, I think that was a big thing, too, because I always knew, like, if something was to happen, like, if somebody was to have some type of problem or something, I'll just tell you and you would figure it out. For sure. That's what I do. So what about that structure? You know, there was a lot of structure coming up. Like, every day, like, just take a period of time. If we take it, just a snapshot of, like, two years out of our life, let's just say, you know, and all I was doing was teaching martial arts and opening the school and all that. So that means... Like if your mom was on a trip as a flight attendant and we were here, I take you to school that morning, right? Pick you up in the afternoon. We come home and do homework and then we go to the school and we would train, mm-hmm. right? And we get finished with those classes and we have our dinners and do what we do. And we did that virtually every day, like of the week or certainly multiple days during the week for a long time. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think that affected your life? Do you think that gave you more of a sense of order and your feet on the ground? Or as you reflect on it now, was it irritating and a pain in the butt? I can accept it now either way, but, mm-hmm. but for sure, like, what, what do you think about that? I feel like when I was younger, it, it was definitely needed because knowing myself, I would have just been all over the walls and doing whatever. So like, it was good to have, like, I feel like if somebody else was my parent and they weren't keeping me like honest and had me do whatever I was, what you had me doing before, then I would have been doing a bunch of other stuff. I would have been wild and trying to just, just have fun all the time or do stuff that I shouldn't have been doing all the time and stuff like that. So I feel like it was good for me when I was younger. And then when I started getting older, I started kind of resenting it because it was like, I want to do some stuff that I want to do now because it was on. I kind of felt on some like, like, oh, I've been doing what someone tells me for all these years. I kind of want to be able to have the opportunity to do something that I want to do at least. And I, I used to, I would feel like, dang, I got to go to karate. I can't stay outside now. Or I like, I, I can't go to, I, I can't go to, uh. You know, they can't go to my friend's house and spend the night because I got to go to karate first and stuff like that. So as it stands, it seems that HUD, as an organization to work for, while this is not a, intended to be a HUD commercial, it is still effectively really saying some good things about them for somebody who's transitioned so many times. So my next segue would be to ask you, um, what what was your favorite transition out of 13 along the way over many years? And again, what's the total years you worked for HUD now? I've worked for HUD for 43 oh, years. Oh, man. It'll be 44 years oh, in May. Oh, man. That's crazy. And I think the, the position I held as a... It was a loan specialist servicer type position, Mm -hmm. and I worked in a unit that actually helped people to um, withstand some difficult financial times Mm. when they were losing their homes. Yes. And they had um, actual FHA loans, and we were able to approve individuals for what we referred to at that time as a loss mitigation Mm-hmm. to help them uh, remain in their homes, recover from that difficult period wow. of um, default and some facing foreclosure so that they could maintain home ownership. So in uh, working with them and actually approving them and getting them set up in a payment plan, allowing them, again, 
um, having experienced a difficult time financially to recover and again reta- retain home ownership. Another aspect of that job was home buyer education. And I enjoyed that because again, interacting with people in the community, people who wanted to to buy homes, um, that was very rewarding. Um, how to um, pay down debt, how to manage their finances, um, and just teaching them the steps of home ownership. So it was very heartwarming, you know, having that personal connection with individuals. Yeah. Um, to to enjoy the privilege of owning a home yeah. and to remain in that home, yeah. even through those, again, most difficult times. Yeah. So it was a real sense of um, community for me, yeah. accomplishment. You know, We don't often get to see the fruits of our labor, yeah. but when you're able to touch individuals, families, um, communities, uh, that was that was very fulfilling. For me. Do you think your team thinks this way, too, as a rule? I mean, the folks that you work with, is this something you guys talk about? Or do you think it's just every individual feels different? They just go to work or they don't go to work. Is this a team ethic, you think? I think this is a mission for everyone that works at HUD, Mm -hmm. regardless of which program area you're in, whether you're in fair housing, public housing, multifamily or single family. Um, Our goal is to, um, again, Look at affordable housing and the mission um, to to help uh, build sustainable communities, um, very diverse again communities. Uh, I think that the mission itself is very rewarding, and as a result, no matter which division you're in. For example, I'm in, in the director of operations and customer service now. So as you can see, the theme here again is customer service, mm-hmm. working with individuals, whether it's internal to the mm-hmm. organization in HUD mm-hmm. or external, um, working with um, contractors. Now, a lot of what federal government has moved to is contracting. Mm-hmm. So we do have um, my role as a director. We touch a lot of aspects, not only of our internal administrative, how we're run administratively, but also um, the customer service aspect of dealing with individuals, with lenders, with communities, mm-hmm. and providing um, instruction, guidance, um, support, mm-hmm. um, and again, funding again contractors. So we are, um, I find throughout my career, I've really leaned very much toward internal and external customers working with people hands-on. You know, a lot of what we do is not in a vacuum. What we do touch pe- touches people's lives. And so HUD as an organization has allowed me to fulfill a, a civil servant, you know, um, role that I seem to enjoy on a personal level. That's who I am. So um, that's it's been very rewarding. Again, all of my positions, but those in particular where I've had made a difference in someone's life has been just most fulfilling. No, that, that is just great to hear. I think um, mostly because we all want to feel a sense of fulfillment in our positions, right? So it's good that you can say that, but then you you expand that to make it so that other people benefit and grow and are happy too. Uh, it's just an amazing win-win. So it's really good to hear. Absolutely. You know, now it's interesting. I, I think it's perfectly appropriate that you share that and how positive it's been for you but you you can't have one side without the other. 
right? That there are there are difficulties too, right? Yes. The whole theme of this sit down is to talk about women in leadership and in management positions, right? And every situation isn't perfect. Uh, I think that there's lots to grow and lots to learn from along the way. What can you share with us as some of the difficulty of making that adjustment for women along the way, not just in HUD, but from your observation in business and or government uh, as a whole? What do you see as one of the tougher transitions women have had to make? Well, I, I believe we still live in a male dominated society and in the workplace, women still, at least I have on occasion, experienced a feeling of not being heard, mm -hmm. not being taken seriously. Mm -hmm. um, some of the ideas that you may have while oh, it may be a woman that has has developed or or created and someone else may come along and get the credit for that. Not always given credit where credit is due. Um, having a still being somewhat subordinate on feeling that way on some occasions. Um, and I believe that that is more a male individual. It's something and it, call it a, um, I would say an insecurity mm. on the part of mm -hmm. that individual. It could be a male, could be a female, mm -hmm. but um, for women, I believe we tend to, kind of sit back, lay back, and maybe not speak up or are reluctant to speak up um, because of potential retribution. Yeah. So I, I would really encourage women to, it's not always what you say, it's it's in what form, choosing the appropriate time to, and how you you say that to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And it's not something you just turn on and turn off. If you want to be taken seriously, then you have to present yourself in such a way as mm -hmm. a professional mm -hmm. individual. On occasion, you know, I've come across both men and women who are in professional and managerial experiences. You don't often know whether they're being serious or if they're there to be taken lightly. You really have to know those individuals or be observant. And it takes time, really, no matter who it might be to get a sense of of who they are. You know, if walking into a meeting and feeling what the, the appropriate time to say something and how to say that. And I don't think that's a male or female. I think it's just um, we as women, you know, that hard touch, soft touch, um, which is something a little different, I, I believe, in, in man's or male's um, dominated profession. Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for episode number 17 of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Making a difference. First of all, episode number 17. Now, it's just crazy. We started this podcast playing around, trying to expand our horizons, 
and look at some different thoughts and perspectives and also counterbalance some of that negative that's flying all around the world. And here we are a little 17 episodes later, still trying to make a point about the good that's still left in the world. And so unfortunately, I happen to be one of those people who has to stress this thing to go ahead and round out my soul. So I'm serious about it. So the fact is, I I plan to continue moving this needle forward so that we have something else that maybe we can consider for our perspectives and our growth and our development. So if you're here with me and you, um, you've you taken this ride with us this far, or if you're just joining and you want to ride from here, then let's go get it and see what we can come up with, uh, at least to give us a, a positive chance to make this thing happen the right way. You know, when you stop and think sometimes, you realize that life is made up of so many various and different circumstances And they define our lives. You know, if one thing happens and your life finds direction, and then when an absolutely different thing happens, you find a completely alternate direction instead. You have to play the cards you're dealt and do the best you can and be the best you can be with what you have. And that in itself can be all right. We get born into this world and we have nothing to do with it until we start making decisions for ourselves and find out it's not that easy to do. Falling debris and bumps in the road can really mess up your direction. But after further review of my own circumstances, and after many opportunities to look clearly at my life, my choices, and my decisions, I am certain now, without one single doubt, that I am a fortunate, blessed individual. And all the things that looked like they were so bad were actually tools for my success and meant to be in their own crazy way. As many of us know, when you lose a family member as a child, sometimes other family members step in to help. My uncle was that person, Henry Bush, a.k.a. Bebop, was the one who stepped in for me. In Uncle Bebop's capacity as a delivery truck driver, he would quite often take me out on the road with him. His product was soda for a major beverage distributor. The name of the company, based in New Brunswick, New Jersey, was Will Hall Cot Distributors Incorporated. One of the products on the list, in addition to my favorite beverage in 10 years. African American Mental Health. Please allow me to share some information that's hugely larger than me or my little podcast. African American Mental Health is an underexplored topic and from observations and discussions over the years, we could use some positive change in this very important area. To that end, I have borrowed some specialized information from the National Alliance on Mental Illness, aka NAMI, N-A-M-I. The NAMI web address is as follows, www.nami.org. And for specifics for African-American and folks and their uh, future progress, note the full address, which is www.nami.org slash find dash support slash diverse dash communities slash African dash Americans, plural. As a starting point, let's be clear. 
African-Americans are no different when it comes to prevalence of mental health conditions when compared to the rest of the population. However, your concerns or experiences and how you understand and cope with these conditions can be different. This episode focuses on how mental health affects the African-American community so that you know how to find help. Why does mental health matter? Without mental health, we cannot be healthy. Any part of the body, including the brain, can get sick. We all experience emotional ups and downs from time to time caused by events in our lives. Mental health conditions go beyond these emotional reactions to specific situations. They are medical conditions that cause changes in how we think and feel and in our mood. These changes can alter your life because they make it hard to relate to others and function the way you used to. Without proper treatment, mental health conditions can worsen and make day-to-day life hard. If you feel you or a loved one might be experiencing a mental health condition, remember that these are biological brain disorders. Anyone can develop a mental health problem. It isn't your fault or your family's fault. Seeking treatment can help you live a fulfilled life and can strengthen you and your family for the future. How do mental health conditions affect the African-American community? Although anyone can develop a mental health problem, African-Americans sometimes experience more severe forms of mental health conditions due to unmet needs and other barriers. According to the Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health, African-Americans are 20% more likely to experience serious mental health problems than the general population. Common mental health disorders among African-Americans include major depression, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, suicide among young African-American men, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, because African-Americans are more likely to be victims of violent crime. African-Americans are also more likely to experience certain factors that increase the risk for developing a mental health condition. Homelessness. People experiencing homelessness are at a greater risk of developing a mental health condition. African-Americans make up 40% of the homeless population. Exposure to violence increases the risk of developing a mental health condition such as depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. African-American children are more likely to be exposed to violence than other children. Issues to consider. Different reasons prevent African-Americans from seeking treatment and receiving quality care. Lack of information and misunderstanding about mental health. In the African-American community, many people misunderstand what a mental health condition is and don't talk about this topic. This lack of knowledge leads many to believe that a mental health condition is a personal weakness or some sort of punishment from God. African-Americans may be reluctant to discuss mental health issues and seek treatment because of the shame and stigma associated with such conditions. 
Many African Americans also have trouble recognizing the signs and symptoms of mental health conditions, leading to underestimating the effect and impact of mental health conditions. Some may think of depression as the blues or something to snap out of. Because of the lack of information... Look at her eye. You What is friendship really? If you look in Webster's Dictionary, it will tell you that the definition of friendship is a state of being friends, friendly relations or attachment to a person or between persons, affection arising from mutual esteem and goodwill, friendliness, amity, goodwill. While very direct and technical, that all sounds nice, but what does it really mean to have and be a friend? With all that in mind, let's just take a minute to explore the friendship relationship and its merits just a little bit. Now, friendship can be comprised of many, many various things, which can be different for different people. However, some things are universal. So out of the myriad descriptions we can offer, Let's just take 10 things, just for nothing. Just as a quick, handy, and welcome reminder that true friendship is a really cool thing. Number one, communication. Talking and sharing your honest perspective. Expressing your frustrations, digging down, being vulnerable, and also letting your tears flow. Or being strong and leading from the front. Genuinely listening and hearing and feeling and being present in the moment. Acknowledging, confirming, trusting, and being trustworthy in all dialogue and exchange. Keeping what is sacred secure and keeping what is important honored. Offering encouragement during challenging times. Simple support, sometimes without saying a word. A phone call, a note, a card a recognition, or an apology when you know you came out your mouth wrong, or a positive thought expressed in relation to a loving memory. But notice, sending a text message was intentionally not included in this list. Number two, support. How? Because you know the person and have considered their circumstances, you are pretty certain what to do and how to do it. And sometimes only you can do it. You arrive early and you stay late. You are patient and you are forgiving. You speak highly of them when they are not present and you find the good in them, even when sometimes they have trouble seeing it in themselves. You ask them for more to work harder because you are willing and ready to give and work harder as well. You stand alongside them in the fight and you take the blows with them not because you have to, but because somehow they are an extension of you, so you handle it. You don't think about it, you just do it. Number three, advice. You offer it only when asked, and not as a measure of superiority. 
You think before you open your mouth and you never race to speak just so you can talk. You strategically look for and find the most opportune time to plug in the best you have to offer at the time that's best to offer it. And when you mess it up and don't do it just right, you try again and consider the circumstance as you are certain that your friendship is more than one event, one conversation, one challenge, or one victory. You know that the marathon continues and your running partner and you march on together. You ask questions to understand fully and you confirm that very understanding so they can rest assured. You got their back. You got them covered. You're happy to help and somehow that's just enough. Number four, laughter. You realize and know from experience that laughter and humor and finding what's the funniest thing is the best medicine anyone can have. Sometimes you just act a fool because you know it's safe to do it and you especially know it's the best thing on the menu today. When you laugh from your heart in the company of your friend, it's contagious and you know it. So you laugh some more and whenever you feel it again, you do it just for now. Just because, because life is short and joy is elusive and friends are few and time is precious and passing. And you remind your friend to have fun. As human beings, does challenge make us stronger? That's the question for today's episode. Do the events in our lives that we choose and the ones that we have no choice over actually make us stronger? We'd like to explore this topic with our guest today. I love working out. Um, I love being strong, not just mentally, also physically. And I think they both go hand on hand and they work with each other. They feed off of each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if I'm mentally strong and I haven't worked out because (laughs) the excuse life happens, which doesn't usually happen. It's been more of like I've had time, um, time issues and and that's what's happened. Um, Responsibilities, so forth. But I think when that, those days have happened, I don't feel like I'm myself and I'm giving my life and myself my true potential and, and living life as I should. Um, and I feel sluggish and that's not good at all because then mentally you carry that. And so I make sure that I, I feed my body and my soul and my brain what it needs and that oxygen to flow so that I can work my 200% every day in life. That's amazing. You know, the word that comes to me right now is balance. Yes, for sure. For sure. One of the most important words in the world, really. And it seems that you've discovered this idea that balance is an important thing. It's very important. Goodness knows you've been developing your brain it's important to you to have relationships with your family. 
you, you haven't let any of that go, but then you take time to put into building your physical self as well. That's amazing. Yes. Now, were you always physical? Were you athletic in school? Yeah. Yeah. Would you would you do like what? I played tennis in high school. Oh, you did? I did. Son of a gun. How's yeah. your forehand? <laughs> Good. My serve was probably the better one. Nasty serve. Huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. boy, who knew? Yeah. Now I know who my new tennis instructor I is. <laughs> I had no clue. Knowing you all this time, I had no clue. Yeah. Now I know who my new but tennis instructor is. But I haven't played in a long time. That's so. okay. You still got it. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> yeah, probably. A little rusty at first. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Well, listen, I, I, for myself, have experience with you, and I know what kind of passionate space you operate from, and it's impressive. Uh, and I've seen you dig down and do your very best. Uh, so tennis must have given you something good. Your current perspective must have given you something good. But tell me something. Why boxing and kickboxing with me? And you're one of our most motivated students. You get a lot of praise and respect from our our associates. They seem to look up to you for how hard you work. Why boxing and kickboxing? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, my father and I, we love boxing. I remember when I was young, that's the Cesar Chavez time. Cesar Chavez. Yeah. Julio Cesar Chavez. The, one of the greatest fighters of all time. For those of you who do not know, what was his record? Like 107 and 7 or something crazy. Yeah. A most amazing man. Still is, actually. That yeah. was like Rocky. Oh, God. Was he ever, though? Yeah. Oh. Those were the fights he'd come out with. Oh, I had some like, fights with his. I remember. And I have on tape. It's cool. Bloody eyes. So bloody you were watching that, too? Yeah. No way. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Cool. I loved it. And I learned a lot from my father just hearing him, you know, talking to the TV and like just watching how strong he was and watching how he just took punch after punch after punch, you know, and like just watching them fighting. Not that, not that you want to watch people bleeding and you know hitting each other in the it's face an for entertainment no it's an it was, for those that don't know no, don't get it confused it's not an art. at all yeah for me it was just it showed the strength that a human being could could have inside you know and their potential that they could carry out there and all that they could do because of their training that is correct yeah because Good focus for sure um that just represented all their how much like time and effort they had put into themselves to prepare themselves for this fight, you know, and that no matter how many punches they took or it, it just, they continued on because they had prepared this well and nothing was going to take them down. And that's what I respect about them as well. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I've tried to maintain inside my own self as a human being. Yeah. This sense of focus and dedication yes. to accomplish a goal and nothing taking you off of it. You know, nothing moving you from where you need to go. Right. Amazing. But one quick memory is the Meldrick Taylor fight with Julio Cesar Chavez, where he won it in the last second of the fight and the whole world went crazy. Yeah. The whole world went crazy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have it on tape. It's a crazy fight. Yeah. Oh, God. 
Yeah. Well, listen, I, I am so pleased with anyone who gets a sense of themselves and understands a little bit about what drives them and what matters to them. And you, you seem to have that. And this, this most important issue that, um, that we all need to pay attention to is something that I would stress for everybody to take a minute and get to know yourself. So let me ask you something. Has this training in martial arts and kickboxing, has it been positive to you and given you what you thought it might? Oh, yes. Tell me yes, how. Yes, definitely. I feel that as, the t- as time has gone by and I've learned punches more properly, I've like been able to last longer, you know, like when we hit the bag, now we can do 10 rounds instead of two rounds when we first start, you know, um, without running out of oxygen, which is so important. It just shows how much, like how capable we are as human beings. If we're willing to put in our effort, and our time to build up to that moment. So, and it's with time. So it requires patience, you know? So sometimes people, when they're working now, no matter what they're doing, sometimes if they don't see a result right away or a change or going from one mile to 10 in in a week, you know, they just, they're gonna walk away because they don't have the patience. And you need that. And you need that in life as well. That's really true. The proverbial instant gratification. Right. You know, it's funny. I've learned a great deal from delayed gratification. This idea that a goal doesn't come together in a day. Sometimes you just have to simply trust in it, invest yourself, and let time take its course. Yeah. You know? So really, really good. Yeah. So have you ever competed? No. Have you ever thought about it? And would you like to? Or you're just comfortable training? What do you think? I have. Have you? What would you come up with? I have thought of it. And I think I've thought about it more as I uh, <laughs> prepared for my half marathon. Wow. <laughs> you see, you beat me to it because that was going to be my next uh, my next uh, interlude, my next segue, as it were. But tell me something before we go any further. Girl, you're 30 plus years old. Yes. What are you talking about? I'm not that old. No. What are you doing? You're not. What are you, you're not going to get into any new stuff at 30 years old. You're supposed to be slowing down. Oh, no, definitely Talk to the not. people about all this no, now. Definitely 30 not. plus. No. Yeah, but no, definitely not. Talk to us about age being. I'm not throwing my towel. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us about age being the factor. What? Isn't that a factor? No. Why not? Not at all. I don't think age is a factor in how well you can perform in life in anything in any part of area of your life like you know for example my school when I finish law school I'm going to be a lot older than the average student or the younger of the students but does that mean that I'm not as capable as them Absolutely not. Does that mean that I will not have the opportunities that they will when I go into the job interview? Absolutely not. If anything, I've learned, actually, I've reflected on it, that I think I'd have more advantage because of 
the experience that I have learned along the way. That when I go to that interview, I will not only have my JD by then, but I will also have this big fat resume behind me with the experience that others may not have because they're younger. Not trying to knock them down because they're younger, good for them. But I've had life experience that, you know, my son, who I've had to juggle my my time with. So, um, yeah, no, age is not going to slow me down. And like Goggins says, you know, there mm-hmm. there is no finish line out there. Oh, you, you mean just continue David Goggins? To go on. <laughs> Who's he? Tell us who David, David Goggins is Goggins. just briefly and how he might have influenced you as he has me. But every time I yeah. go, God, here he goes. If I wanted to quit now, yeah. I never could. So I will be prepared 200% when I when I go to class in law school. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I can't tell you how much pleasure and how positive it's been to sit here with my friend, my student, my sister, Ms. Selena Mendoza herself. My crazy son calls her Knuckles. I don't know why he called her that. <laughs> I do know why he called her that, but I, I hate it. But, you know, she she responds very positively and elegantly like she always does. And I'm really glad she's here. And I think she's done us a great service by sitting in speaking her truth. Nobody knows what you can do but you. Nobody can tell you. If I tell you all the people who told me I wasn't going to act or sing or dance or I wasn't good at it or I should stop or I should quit or even after I became famous, you know, for doing these things, you know, uh, I would be I would be locked in a house somewhere doing nothing. Um, The truth is nobody knows what's inside of you. Only you know what's inside of you. Only you know what you can accomplish and what you're capable of and what your gut and your dreams and your desires and your wants and your ability, you only know. Nobody else knows. So whatever you feel in your heart and in your gut, you should follow that. Follow that. And then if that changes one day, that's fine too. Then you follow that. But you're the only one who knows. Nobody else. And you know, life lessons come from challenge this question before, which is why I posed it to you. And frankly, I've been asked it a lot of different times when people know I've been involved in martial arts. And frankly, I always find it strange that why why do you think I'm going around fighting all the time? Because, I mean, we don't. We train to better ourselves, and that's what it's really all about. And that's why as martial artists, we don't boast. And we right. Don't, you know, we're not filled with our heroes right. or our pride that, oh, yeah, we can beat anybody up. It's not even right. like that. It's more so, yes, we have that training. But more so, we have that calmness and that spirit, and we can just keep that to ourselves. You know? The fight you win is the one you don't have to have. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as a, quote, student of mine, and that's meant with all humility from me and all respect to you, it's really great to hear you say that. Honestly, then that means that we did some good work because we want to make the world a better place instead of a worse place, right? Mm-hmm. Last thing we want is to be out starting trouble. We want to give our family a good name and we want to perpetuate positive. And there's a good segue into family. How important is family to you? Family's everything to me. Family's everything. Tell us how. Why? Definitely. Um, honestly, I think, uh, you know, my family, they're, they're my backbone. They, they help me. They drive me. They, they give me everything I really 
I really need as far as support, you know, and motivation. And I feel like, uh, you know, I have a younger brother, you know, Jalen. Uh, you know, he's in high school. He's doing his thing, um, you know, soon to be graduate. Um, and I feel like it is my role to be that bigger brother, that role model to set that good example to do what I need to do. But at the same time, not also like killing myself by doing it. You know what I mean? Um, but being able to support, having that support from my family to have them, you know, allow me to be there at all times and staying behind my back and you know, when I say I got a problem with, you know, a certain teacher there on it too, like, okay, well, what's going on with this teacher? Like, well, you know, let's see what's going on. Or, you know, calling even to check on me when I'm during finals or midterms. That's that's really big for me because those can be very, very stressful times, very stressful times. And uh, sometimes just having that phone call from like your mom or your dad, even your brother saying like, hey, what's going on? It could just make the best of everything. You know, it contains something like, man, I was really depressed at first, but you know what? I'm cool now. Like, it's cool to hear your voice, cool to hear that you're doing good, you know, I'm doing good too, you know, and then we just, we just keep moving. Man, that is just amazing. I can't help but think of the word blessing, as it were. Um, I think that it's a tremendous blessing to have someone concerned about you and concerned about your welfare and ready and willing to reach out and say that to you. You know, you know, on behalf of all of us, I, I say, you know, bravo to your family for doing that. I try to do it for my folks as well. And there are some people in the world that don't have that beauty in their life. And so, you know, we say to you, you know, we're sorry that that's the case. But that's why this podcast is here to maybe try and offer the world at large, whoever might want to listen, an idea that people are going through similar things. And maybe we can indirectly help you by being here. So. You've done us a service by saying that today, Greg, by just recognizing how important it is to collaborate and be together and reach out to those people who who you love and, and let them know that they are loved by you, too. So good stuff. I mean, really, really good stuff. I'm proud of you. Now, you talk about your younger brother, right? <laughs> Uh, you talk about your younger brother. How was it being an older brother? I happen to be the oldest, too. Comes with some certain characteristics, doesn't it? Oh, man. Yeah, you're, the younger brother always wants to be the, I ain't going to say the older brother, but it wants to be the dominant one. You know, when, she, when he's small and you're big, you know, he's like, I want to be, I want to be like him or I want to do better or, oh, you got a B in that class. Well, when I take that class, I'm going to get a A. And it's nice to have that, uh, that good rivalry because mm -hmm. it keeps uh, your relationship fresh in a sense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of him. Um, he's doing his thing in high school. Um, you know, he he's taking his AP classes, doing his calculus. And, you know, I took calculus when I got in college. I wasn't even thinking about that when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. But it's good to see that he has that drive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, he, and having that at such a young age, I know it's going to really help him in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's good that he's able to take all this work and all these things as a young kid, because, you know, that can be overwhelming, you know, taking three AP classes at a time. I, I couldn't even imagine myself doing it. But I applaud him for that. And uh, I'm glad that we are going to be doing our next chapter, you know, coming to college and reliving that. And in a sense, I'm kind of reliving it through him uh -huh. because I'm going to be there every step of the way, getting them through these counselors, through these classes, telling them the format, how the lingo goes, you know, that way no time is wasted and we can just get straight to business. Man, I'm so pleased to hear you say this, and I'm sure he would be, too, mm -hmm. to hear you. And it's interesting that I've told my sons, Omar and Ali, um, that raising you helped me re-raise myself. 
So that sense of collaboration is always there. That's why I brought it up, really, because I think many of us, we forget that we have much more in common than we do apart. And lives can be pulled so that you can forget that. But I don't ever want to forget the, the commonality between me and my loved ones. So way to go. Now, you, I've learned a little bit about you over the years, and I, I see what kind of person you are. And you have a great mind, and you're trying to grow yourself as an individual. Yes, we talked about scholastically. Mm-hmm. Yes, through your, your work life and et cetera. But travel is probably a big thing to you, too. I'm sure that you yes. want to and have already experimented. Yes. First, you went to school, uh, you know, away from home. Mm-hmm. You know, only a good little <laughs> six, seven hours, but still far enough away, right? Uh, yes. In Santa Barbara, California. Yes. So where have you traveled and where do you want to go? Oh, man. So... Santa Barbara, okay, first, you know, living there for two years, that was, you know, one spot. And then once I got there, I was like, you know what, this is this is a nice change of scenery, but, you know, I feel like I, I need a little bit more. Uh, so I went to uh, New York uh, for about a week with my cousin, Ooh. and uh, and I could say that that was, that was eye-opening. Um, I've never been, you know, so, so emerged in such a beautiful culture, and there's just so much culture out there because it's so dense, so big. And um, me, so old. Yeah. <laughs> and me, you know, me being an artist, um, seeking and looking at new, you know, locations and new areas, being able to, you know, combine myself with that culture. Uh, it uh, shapes the way I do my art and the way I see things, you know. So I think um, traveling is a very, very important role. Um, but I plan on going to so many other places. I want to leave the country, you know, go to London and I want to see. Uh, go to different uh, memorials, different arts, uh, art centers and stuff like that. When I was in New York, I actually visited the um, one of their uh, famous, uh, what do we call it? The, they have an art, um, it's a very big art museum, historical mm-hmm. um, art museum out there. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went there, saw a lot of different things, a lot of original paintings from like Van Gogh and different like very good artists. And just seeing that in person and being surrounded by other people who are like, oh my God, like, wow, this is really cool. This is original. I'm just like, man, like, I want to be there one day. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be able to reproject that in my own way, my own image, and put that into my art. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's good to hear, as you being a person raised on the West Coast, I've encouraged folks, please, if you're raised on the West Coast, please visit the East Coast of this country. Mm-hmm. It's a really important to, I think, your understanding, and not one that simply media gives you. And no offense to media. But I think you need to see it for yourself and some of the qualities that it presents. I've had the good fortune to travel this country. Quite I feel like that's that's something I just really appreciate my parents for is having the maturity and, and, and the wherewithal and and taking on that responsibility and ownership that we need to create a better situation for our family. Good stuff. Period. Been there. Yeah. Been there. I actually love that place now that I reflect. Yeah. The grandest, greatest thing that I have ever done in my life without question, and I don't have to think twice about it at all, and it will go with me to my grave, is this action of being somebody's father and somebody's husband in here in this process of building something. Right. You know, our team and getting us this far. Definitely. Crazy. I was talking to a female friend of mine last night. And she, I was telling her, we was watching a video like this dude. And his son, we watched a bunch of Vine videos, this dude and his son just making videos together, having fun together. Mm-hmm. And I literally just thought to myself, like, dang. Like, that's the first time in my life where I actually thought about having a son 
and how cool it would be to have a, literally a smaller me. Like this is me. This is a part of me. This is somebody who came from me. And I kind of internalized that and felt like, damn, like I, I really, I can't wait till that day where I could be, I could be a father to my son or my daughter. I don't even, I just want a healthy kid. I don't even care. Because you back the truth and service. Yeah, again, I don't care what. Yeah. You back the truth and service again. <laughs> See, can't get away. Yeah. See that principle yeah, following definitely. you. Mm-hmm. See how it's following. You know, it's crazy too. When I when I was uh, approaching graduation, I was real like salty about my college experience. Uh, I would always tell my mom, like, I ain't learned nothing. College didn't teach me nothing. I, but what I get caught up in is the same thing a lot of uh, young black men get caught up in is the ideology of things instead of the practicality. I got caught up in the idea of learning something that's valuable. And I thought I had a, a good grasp on what that is. Until I start, until I graduate and start living life, and I'm like, damn, like, college really taught me the, the practicalities of things, the reality of things, instead of me thinking I I know everything. College really just accelerated my my, my, my maturation process. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, Good. I feel like that's what it. That's something that it did for me and strong humility man yeah it matters very much good to be confident but it's good to balance out a little bit and chill and definitely learn from some other stuff too balance so where do you go from here from here um i'm gonna just continue to be to be a a better person the next day and the next day and the next day as as long as i can as long as god will allow me to yes sir Um, i want to keep growing my business um, which is in finance Mm -hmm. uh specializing in pre and post retirement um, college plans, kids, people with kids. Um, I can help them. Debt management. We all know people in debt. Um, keep a brother posted, man. Yeah, keep a yeah. brother posted. So since, just, I, since I got a, yeah. a housemate here who I'm already seeing it happen, I will be aware of what's going on. So absolutely, at some yeah. point we'll um, maybe have another follow up um, mm-hmm. and talk about where you are from there. Definitely, yeah, we could do that for sure. So we've, I think we've done a really great job um, today, I think, of focusing on some really important issues, but focusing on you, the human being, and that work you put in to try and grow yourself to here. And how old are you, rather? 22 years, 22 (laughs) years old. So you see what I'm saying is be proud of yourself for what you've put in Mm -hmm. to your 22 years. And I think, bro, the years ahead of you are going to be very positive because your focus is can be. So before we close out today and, and we move ourselves, you know, away from this interview and onto our life again for the in preparation for the next one, you know, what word of advice would you leave for the audience? Just any general word of advice about their progress and development or, you know, any sense of what comes to your mind right now, because you're a smart man. And I'd love mm-hmm. to hear you close this interview with what you think is one of the most important things. Um. I was in I was at a convention in uh, in Vegas um, in July uh, for a financial convention, and my Uber driver, mm. um, we were we, me and my my friend Zuzi Webster, uh, one of my business partners, we were talking to the to the Uber driver, and he was you know talking to us, just giving us game, um, and talking to us about how he built a business through Uber with him and his kids, right. And he was talking about how they built the business, um, how they went and lease cars, and basically broke it down to a science of how they're making money and how their cash flow is going, right? And then we started talking about um, 
just currency wars with China and America, just, you know, a bunch of different stuff, touching on a bunch of different stuff. And he knew a lot about a lot, right? And I asked him, I was like, so how did you, like, how did you learn all this stuff? How did you attain all this knowledge? And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, since since I was 16 years old, and I'm, he, I think he said he was 47. No, 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 57, my bad. Since I was 16 years old up to this point in my life, I've taken time out of my day, at least an hour or two in the morning, to learn something new every day. And that's the best advice I feel like I've, I've gotten in maybe the past year is just learning something new every day um, and trying to, and that just adds value. Like my pop says this too. And I didn't realize my pop said the same thing, just in a different way. He said, learn something new every day. My pops always tells me add value to yourself every day. Um, whatever that may be, whether that's physically, mentally, spiritually, intellectually, it doesn't matter. Um, just add some value to yourself every day because it feeds you as the human being. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to building that identity and reaching for more. So and elevating, that's the only way you could do it is with is with knowledge, um, knowledgeable information and then applying it, applying it. So, wow. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> consider yourself blessed right here because <laughs> this boy has got it and gone. <laughs> So I, I, I just got to tell you how pleased I am for this interview, Mr. Corey Lombard. I'll tell you I'm what. I'm pleased to thank you for having me. It's, it's, yeah, it's an honor, a great honor, really. Outstanding. With such a, a respectable man. Ah, uh, thank and you. Somebody so that I've, I've, always, uh, I've always raved about as far as you as a father. Oh, thank you. Um, because you raised one of my best friends and one of the best human beings that I know. So I definitely appreciate you for that, and thank you for that. Uh, Very welcome. That's nice of you. And thank you for having me on your on your platform, man. It's it's much much appreciated. Let's go. More to do, right? Yeah, for sure. So as we close out, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again today for another episode of Round Twelve. May you live as long as you want, and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until we meet again, time!